The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. And we're back here on Analyze This, and we got uh, the soul show, the voice himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. St. Dunstan's from back in the day. <laughs> Mike Canton, schoolmate, glad, glad you make some time to talk with me this morning. A couple of things. The reason why you got to come back, right? And the reason why you got to come and sit down in the studio so we could just throw things around here and, and have some fun, right? We never mentioned yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire. We didn't get to mention well, the like, Commodores at Light and Richie. we did. Tell me that. Actually, we did today. Head to the Sky Turn 50 this year. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I did a I did a tribute to that <laughs> to that uh, just uh, see, a see, few months ago. See what I'm talking yeah. about? We didn't get to touch one of my listeners, uh, just um, Lionel Richie, uh, yeah. a great artist with the, with the country and Western crossover uh, appeal. We didn't mention Teddy, and I wanted to talk about a story where uh, James Brown found out that one of the girls in his group was having an affair with, with uh, Harold Melvin, right? And all of that, you know, uh, was impetus for James. <laughs> James used that as fuel to produce great music. So, you know, we got a lot of things to talk about. And also, right, Phyllis Hyman, right? Uh, uh, yeah. She did a she did a, 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 a remake of the stylistics, uh, Betcha by Golly, right? And, yeah, uh, through so, Norman Connors. Through Norman Connors, exactly, you know what I'm saying? And I want to give a shout-out to my good friend, Sadie Moorhead, because uh, he's big on jazz and music from back in the day. Um, Jerry Butler was part of a group yeah. before he went on his own and all that stuff, right? So we got a lot to talk about, Mike. So I'll let you know, right, when you make him back home, let me know so I could clear out a good hour and 40 minutes so we could just sit yes, down sir. and talk music, history, uh, the soul show, soul music, the evolution. You know what I'm saying? Um, how, oh, yep. one, one more thing. Uh, Cecil Benjamin uh, told me because yeah. I was playing some music going there. He said, Neville, that music you're listening, they're listening to, that's real instrumentation. I know. ain't got no rhythm box in that. I know. You had to sit down in your room and play your instrument. So that's something else that I want to talk right. about as well because the authenticity uh, in the sound, you could hear it in the way these songs came out in the 60s, 70s, before the advent of the rhythm box in the 80s and all that stuff. So I just want to... Some of that them. was just practical economics. I mean, I prefer Correct. the organic instruments, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, things like music programs at schools went away. You know, sampling was a survival mode Correct. for a lot of kids who couldn't play anything. Mm -hmm. uh, Hip-hop is part of that, the, you know, came out of that environment. Uh be. So, be. Yeah. It, 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 it just came out of that. It just came out of that. That was the foundation and the the the, the reason why it it, it allowed to to survive because folks you just didn't have all that money to to pay those studio hours and all that stuff. So you got to make that music downstairs in the basement. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah. So 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 that's what. What, it. what I say about hip hop and and for us reggae going back, I called it every man's music because it was. Uh, Fairly simple to put together with a story. Um, you know, everybody could play it, and both have evolved into sophisticated genres that everybody takes on. But they really came out of, you know, sparse economics, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of bands actually had to went that route, cut down on the um, count, cut down on the amount of cut down on the amount of band members. That means more money that, for me. That's right. More money for me and more money for 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 you who who last. Um, also, um, uh, I, I was thinking about the impact because remember uh, the, the Saint Croix Talent Club with the chai lights and all that stuff. They were regulars coming here and the influence that they had um, and how their music actually gets covered over. People, you know, people are doing them over and doing well. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah. another another aspect of the industry and the history that I'm looking forward uh, to talking to you about. I'll take the shy lights themselves any day, thanks to your father. <laughs> and of course, at some point, we go dedicate a, te- a segment to Teddy Pendergrass because you know Teddy was the yeah. he was the platinum he was sure. the platinum standard and stuff. So Mike, thanks for making some time, man. Good luck. Oh, sure. uh, hopefully, uh, as time goes on, you'll say that uh, I got 15 stations and then maybe up to 20. And then, for all you know, the soul show is just totally, totally just dominating things. So that's what we want. And we're glad to play a part yeah, of that. Yeah, but I don't WTJX. forget where it started. No. And I, I just want to say I appreciate WTJX for letting me begin this. It we, started right there. And we appreci- Thanks. We appreciate the quality contributions that uh, you're bringing to the station as well. Thank you very much, Mike. And uh, happy holidays and all that good stuff. Same to you. See you soon. You got it. Definitely. That's our Mike Canton right. uh, from Outan Easton. He is the host, the, the owner, founder of the Soul Show. I'm saying that we do a, uh, we we do that here on W uh, TJX. Let me give some programming notes. And thank you very much uh, to the listeners uh, for all those uh, awesome questions there as well. Thursday, the PBS News Hour, right, uh, begins at 7 p.m. and then from 8 until uh, 9:30. Right, Lifeline, explore the story of how U.S. Navy sailor Joe George became an unlikely hero when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor in Hawaii 82 days, 82 years ago today, on December 7, 1941. Okay? So that's Lifeline from 8 to 9.30. Then Elvis and the USS Arizona Explore the story of how one of music's biggest icons helped to establish a USS Arizona memorial in Pearl, right? That's not in Pearl Harbor. And that's something I guess me and Michael talk about because we can't ignore Elvis, right? Uh, cannot, you know, whether you like it or not, cannot. And then Pearl Harbor, that, oh, that's from 9.30 to 10.30. And then from 10.30 uh, until 11.30, uh, Pearl Harbor into the Arizona. Explore inside the USS Arizona to examine the aftermath of the Pearl Harbor attack. And then, of course, PBS Arts Talk uh, from 11.30 to midnight. And then uh, I'm an important company. Is at midnight now, this time of the year, because time turned back. Okay, so the news hour at 7, Lifeline at 8, Elvis and the USS Arizona at 9.30, Pearl Harbor into the Arizona at 10.30, PBS Arts Talk at 11.30, and then I'm an important company. Now, at midnight, definitely want to thank uh, Mike uh, Canton for that uh, <clears throat> awesome content to uh, start the show this morning. The guest for the second hour, uh, linking it. Uh, we're supposed to have a, uh, a conversation with Mr. Larry Griffith, and hopefully uh, we, could, we could have that uh, sometime uh, soon. And, uh, you know, when Wallace Williams uh, reminded me of Lionel Richie and the Commodores, and we were talking about that Southern thing, Southern Impact, you know, they went to school at Tuskegee, uh, based on the, uh, the memory served me right. 
And um, <clears throat> when Larry Ritchie went on his own, <laughs> he take over the whole marketplace, Mister. Whole marketplace. Matter of fact, when Mike comes on again, you know we go talk about uh, Tupac, the impact of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. Uh, uh, that that tragedy, you know, of the mid ninety, the, the mid nineteen uh, nineties. Uh, Tupac was killed, uh, was shot, and died uh, around Labor Day, 1996. And then um, Biggie Smalls, he, I think he was shot the day before my birthday or after uh, in 1997, either March 9th or March 10th. I remember um, one of my childhood friends uh, in DRS Singh calling me uh, to ask me if I hear about it. You know, so that's unfortunate. And, you know, for those who are listening who are into hip-hop like me, right? I believe the legacy of Tupac is actually the the, the biggest, right? Uh, March 9th, right? Thank you very much, uh, March 9th. I believe the legacy of Tupac, right, is bigger than that of Biggie Smalls, right? But when it comes to rhyming, right, actual lyrics, uh, breaking things down, right, um, Tupac got in no place uh, next to the, the notorious B.I.G. because Biggie Smalls, as we just said, like like Eric, like Eric, like Rakim said on his album, no joke, right? Rakim said, "I ain't no joke." I used to let the mic smoke, right? But that's what Biggie Smalls used to do on a regular basis. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Tupac is a legend, right? But his story is actually just as great as his music, right? But Biggie Smalls, we're talking about natural lines. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, uh, when Mike comes on again, we're gonna talk about a dude named Guru. Right, and he had a, he got a song named Lounging, and he had a jazz, jazz matters album. Um, that uh, that and jazz was actually the one of one of the foundation <clears throat> musics, right? Um, for hip hop, right? Um, there was a song by uh, Stetsa Sonic, uh, talking all that jazz, and a great video talking about how they were uh, going after hip hop music, claiming that they were sampling and all that stuff, and. You know, so the soul show, when Mike come in and we do that uh, in-house uh, to, our, to our deal, I'm looking forward to that. We got a lot to talk about from back in the day uh, up until now. Okay? So um, we, are, we are waiting for, to, to link up uh, with Mr. Griffith, a senior executive uh, role at the United Negro College Fund, and looking forward to him giving giving us uh, some info uh, there as well. Don't forget, you know something? Uh, let me do that thing now. Okay, we got a second set of tickets uh, to give away today. So let me don't wait, okay? The number to call is 718-0761, area code 340, okay? 340-718-0761, beginning right now. The 12th caller wins a pair of tickets to a taste of two islands a week from today, right? It's a late afternoon, evening event uh, at the Mark C. Marin Center uh, in St. Thomas over there at Antilles School and hosted by WTJX uh, FM 93.1. Okay, so the 12th caller from now, Carlina, no. Now this thing will be live, and I believe next week our government paid it, so people got money. <laughs> Money in the packet, and I mean, I will be hurry to check. So, so uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, just feel a little bit more, you know, relaxed. You know, when you got that done, 
in your package, that I mean, so uh, come out and hang out uh, so we can meet you, uh, meet the culture man, uh, the boss, uh, Tanya Singh, all the WTJX staff, the people that make things happen for us on radio and TV. And your boy gonna be there. Check out. Don't tell her already, right? It says somebody wearing a fedora. <clears throat> More than likely, that gonna be me. You know what I'm saying? Still trying to figure out if I'm going to go with the brown or the black. I believe it's the brown. I think I'm going to be dropping a, a denim shot. So I go I go drop the brown with a denim shot. I believe, right? But, you know what I mean? I just, I'm really looking forward to this because I keep hearing about the taste of toilets. Never been there. I don't know if um, the engineer been there. You ever been to one? Yeah, so this going to be our maiden our maiden voyage, you know, to, to a taste of toilets. Me and uh, my engineer today, Jamar. So uh, we definitely... Looking forward to that. So the twelfth caller to three four zero seven one eight zero seven six one, you're good for a pair of tickets uh, to um, a taste of toilets next week. You know, if I had known that Mr. Griffith uh, wasn't going to uh, call in so timely at a whole on to my Canton Langa, so we could have wrapped some more. You know what I'm saying because um, in my spare time, I like to read a lot, right? And when I hang out uh, and I share, you know, stories and all that stuff, and <clears throat> uh, I hang out at 2 Plus 2, you know, with Marvin Pickering, Vargas Richards, Mickey Lynch, Willa John, Melbourne Adams, and, you know, that's how we hear all these different things. And I hang out at the expat, and, you know, we, I play the music down there, Harry Willax, Titus Lenhart, Sadie Mohead, who I mentioned earlier. You know, and the stories behind everything, like, you know, I love repeating the story um, about Tito Puente and Oje Komova, right? Mi ritmo, right? He uh, was the original for that song. That's his song. He made it. So, as a matter of fact, you know what? Let me see if I can find the story so I can read it verbatim, right? Um, because Tito Puente... You know, one of, one of the things about, one of the great things about music, right? Um, Tito Puente, let me type it in, Tito, Tito Puente, Oye, Como Va, right? Um, and uh, it was, it was, re, it was, there was a remake by Santana, right? And I want to make sure I read this, Right? This story, right? Because I repeat it all the time, but I want to read it uh, as he as he said it in this article. You check Tito Puente. Okay, he originally bring out his song in 1956, right? And uh, hold on, I'm trying to find the part. Okay, here we go, right? Um, guitarist uh, Carlos Santana honored Puente by recording a version of Oye Como Va for Santana's second record, Abracas, released in 1970, adapted to the rock style of the California band. The song became an instant hit, which peaked at number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100. The success of the song took Puente, who originally had done the song back uh, in, uh, when was it, 56 or 63? 
1956. It was recorded, right? Hawaii was recorded in 1962. Written by Tito Puente as early as in 56. Recorded in 1962 on his album El Rey. Bravo, right? So Santana redoes it. The songs, the success of the song took Puente by surprise. And as Josephine Powell writes in Tito Puente, When the Drums Are Dreaming, even more surprising was his usually quartered, quarterly trip to the bank. And I want my engineer to listen to this, yeah. Right? To deposit his ASCAP royalties. Right? So Tito Puente goes to the bank every quarter. The bank teller said he needed to add more zeros to his amount. It was not $35, but $35,000. The down payment for my new home. That's, that's, that was, that's, that's what Tito Puente said. In other words, Santana's version, right, of Oje Comova also introduced Puente to a larger audience. As a result, Puente reintroduced the song in his repertoire. For, furthermore, El Rey, right, which is the album right, for, for um, Tito Puente, began, and that's why he referred to himself, began to get booked again at a difficult time when he had been struggling to keep his big band. So just imagine that story, right? You drop a song in 62, right? You get your royalties, because you know when radio stations play your music and all that stuff too, right? You cost them to get $35 every month. You get your check. You assume it's for 35 You didn't even watch the check. You go to the bank. <laughs> And you fill out the bank slip. And then the teller tell you, you go add three zeros. Not 35 to 350 or 35 to 3,500. $35 to 35,000. Wow. You get getting paid for your work. Is what going on. And then his big band. Back then, the band them were orchestras. You know, like three and four, four, four man band with the with the radio back then. So back then, it was a whole ensemble. The band get work again, right? So sometimes the work you you put in, you might not get paid immediate dividends, but down the road, uh, you never know. So we'll take a break on that beautiful story, um, read Tito Puente, uh, and when we come back, hopefully we'll have Mr. Griffith, uh, Virgin Islands native from the United Negro College Fund, uh, on the line. You know what I'm saying? So I hope you like that story, that feel-good story, Tito Puente and the great Carlos Santos. Opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers CDs for education, homes, or vacations. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. A penalty might be imposed for early withdrawal, new money only. Funds may not be transferred from existing Bank of St. Croix accounts to CDs. Rates subject to change at any time. Fees may reduce earnings and principal. www.bankofstcroix.com. Member FDIC. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. Wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's on point with me, Magna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.
doom scrolling. Let's break that habit, folks. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where if you want to know what's going on in the world and why it matters, all you have to do is give your thumb a rest and perk up your ears. We've got the news, but we've also got curiosity, joy, and surprise. Tune in for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Music can be an incredibly personal experience. A song can inspire you, it can comfort you, it can make you feel understood, but it can even take you back to a specific moment in your life. And it all begins with the artist. Join me, Raina Duras, as I get personal through in-depth interviews with your favorite musicians and find out where those songs come from on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. And we're back here on Lazis, and one of my listeners uh, had me to know. Same thing with Arrow and Buster Point Dexter. We had, had, had. You know what I'm saying? Same, same story. So hopefully Arrow get that money as well. You know what I'm saying? Because when you cover uh, somebody's song, you know what I'm saying? The person who actually wrote it. And I remember I went in my last year at college when I heard Hot, Hot, Hot uh, at the University of Miami one evening. I was walking across the campus and uh, some girls, I think they were either exercising or they might have been dancing or something to it. May have been uh, the cheerleaders or a pep squad. And when I hear hot, 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 I say, what? That's a, that's a song from home. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a carnival song. And next thing you know, Buster Point Dexter took it. And from there, uh, it was a 19, let me say 1987 album, self-titled album. The Alter Ego of New York Dolls frontman David Johansson. And, uh, wow, this is interesting. Right, the song Hot 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 was a Billboard single and received heavy play on MTV. And, of course, you know, the man who wrote Hot 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 uh, originally is uh, Arrow. We can get a call yet from, um, from um, Mr. Mr. Griffith, right? Yeah, so oh, we got a winner. Uh, so, uh, text me, uh, what, what are they, tell me that name in the circle. Rita, Rita Alberdeen, out of St. Thomas as well. Alberdeen, uh, congratulations, Rita Alberdeen. Uh, you are a winner of uh, two tickets to a taste of two islands, right? A week from today, right? Around 5, 5.30 to about 10 over there at uh, the Mark C. Marion. Uh, center at Antilles School. We're going to be hanging out. Spectrum Band. We're going to be jamming. Maybe we could uh, put in a request from now. Right? See if I could play hot, hot, hot. Uh, and uh, and Oje Komova. Right? And let them know that uh, uh, Neville James requests that. You know what I'm saying? Yo, uh, when we had the Jazz Fest, right? We had three years of the Jazz Fest. Um, the Jazz and Caribbean Music Festival here in St. Croix at the Pali Joseph Stadium that is arguably the longest rebuild in the history of sports stadiums in the world. Uh, but in 92, 93, and 94, <coughs> Tito Puente came here. And Tito Puente played Oje Comova, and the crowd 
went wild. Of course, back then I knew, I didn't know of the story with Santana and all that stuff. Uh, but I could see why uh, the song, because I know the greatness of Santana, I could believe that, I could see how he would take that to the next level. But um, when I heard Oje Komova live by Tito Puente, the man himself, and to see how the people relate to that, Hey. And then I read his story and I was telling the boys on Tuesday night. Uh, <clears throat> uh, when you read the Tito Puente story, he'll tell you about growing up and playing music with, you know, Willie Bobo, Mongo Santa Maria. Yo, just those names, just the sound of those names alone. You know, Willie Bobo. Mongo <laughs> uh, Santa Maria. I mean, when you hear these names, I mean, Greatness got to come from names like that. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully we could do a jazz fest. Uh, you know, it could come back because it ain't other islands now making money, you know, for the Curacao's and St. Lucia's and the world and all that stuff. And uh, it started here, okay, some 30, 31 years ago. Okay, Mario Moorhead, um, Van Tapool, even uh, Willa John play a big part in that, you know, and... Uh, one of the honorees at the very first night, uh, the honor my father, but the honor Fred Thomas as well. Fred Thomas is a great musician out at St. Croix, uh, played down in Puerto Rico for years, tremendous bass player. Uh, you know, we've had great musicians over the years, you know, John Lucien, uh, Vincent Benjamin. I mentioned Sonny Rollins earlier, I just found out about him um, from uh, Melbourne Adams. You know, we had uh, Stanley at 10 C plus nights were here a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually, Stanley Jacobs and Edgy. And uh, they talk about, uh, and Bronco, uh, Olaf Hendricks, Calden. And, you know, we talk about you know, great musicians. And I like to hear that, that uh, discussion. You know, Mickey Lynch always says, right, that um, a lot of people could play instruments and sound good. But some just have the ability to take it to the next level. And he always brags about uh, Dr. Sachs. You know, this, this the, the legendary Ira Myers, uh, the sax man from Milan, and the Kings. He always said his tone. There's something about the, his tone. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you, you, you hear me? I could, I could ramble all day talking music. You know, you know, I don't like all genres. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, hopefully... You know, we could, um, yeah. Mario Di Chabot. I said Mario Mohead? I apologize. Mario Mario Di Chabot, right? No, Mario Mohead was a drummer. Uh, he used to play the drum back in the day. I don't know if he played the drum now. But as it relates to the, to the jazz fest, it was Mario Di Chabot. I apologize if I said Mario Mohead. Even though two of them were roommates in college and all that stuff, it was Mario Di Chabot, right? And I believe it was Lisa Vantapool, right? Uh, Confirm that... Uh, Young lady who texts me, Lisa Olinda Vanderpool. Uh, Lisa Olinda Vanderpool uh, played a part in that as well. That was a success, man. And we were going to have a big show. The fourth edition in 1995, and then Marilyn. Marilyn undermined that. Yeah, Linda Vanderpool. Marilyn undermined that. And, and, and we never recovered you know, from that. Inner Circle was supposed to come to that 1995 Jazz Fest. You know, an inner circle, you know, back then, um, they were a big hit. 
back then. They were going to be here uh, that year. You know, a lot of people don't know Inner Circle. Um, they used to be the um, the the band for Jacob Killer Miller. Yeah, he died tragically uh, in a car accident. Um, I remember one of the albums they had. Uh, they had two brothers in the band, uh, Roger and Ian Lewis. If my main, if my memory serves me correctly, I gonna look it up now. But the thing about it is, when I read the album, they said they were, they were wanted uh, for murdering the guitar or murdering the. the the piano with rhythm. <laughs> I never forget that one. You know what I mean? So, uh, Roger and Ian Lewis. Uh, I gonna look that up now. I never forget reading that on the album, right? For, for murdering the guitar, I didn't guitar or the piano uh, with rhythm. Roger, Roger Lewis, uh, Ian Lewis. Let me see if I can pull that up uh, real quick. Uh, no, I really upset him because. I could have had um, my, my canton and all now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but you know, I guess we're going to save that for his live appearance uh, when it happens again. Ready? So who are the original members of um, Inner Circle? Ian Lewis, Roger Lewis, and then 12-year-old Stephen Catcore. You know, Catcore is a legendary member of uh, Third World. And Michael Cooper, who is Ibu. He was the the um the 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 the, uh, the, the Aga man, the piano man for um Third World, Ibu. Okay, so the band first backed the chosen few in the in the nineteen seventies before joining with successful solo artist Jacob Miller and releasing a string of records. This era of the band ended with Miller's death death in a car crash. Uh, in 1980, yeah, man, I, I fell in love with um, Jacob Miller. He had a used to like to incorporate that uh, in his music, you know. So, yeah, they were supposed to come here in 1995, man, and then Marilyn crashed the crashed the party, and um, Governor Schneider. That was his first year uh, as governor, 1995. And the next thing you know, Jazz Fest never came back. Uh, went down island. Different islands picked it up. People like jazz music and Caribbean music, you know. And uh, the rest uh, is history. You gotta give the uh, current administration some credit because they had three jazz concerts uh, last year down in Fredericksted. I think it was February. And I, well, I know it was February because I, I, I did the MCing for that one. Fair weekend. They had one again in March and then another one on Memorial Day weekend. So, you know, that, that apron down there, the Riviera, like Ronnie Russell or Carlett down there in Fredericksburg, that's an ideal place uh, for uh, hosting uh, concerts. And you know, all that's missing is a, um, <clears throat> a floating hotel, you know, put a cruise ship out there. I think that'd be a big one, a good 800-room on a medium-sized cruise ships. Let's dock it there for the whole week. In uh, the Ag Fest, uh, Ag Fair weekend, everybody wins. Everybody wins. You got no losers in that. You know? So that floating hotel uh, concept uh, can work, and it's ideal with the, the Fredericksted Pier 
Dan Abramson appeared down there in Fredericksted uh, as well. One of the things uh, that uh, we spoke about uh, with Mike um, was uh, there's a lot of competition uh, with bands and all that stuff uh, back in the day. You check? And hold on there. Mm. Oh, I just got some uh, good good news here. Tajama Abraham's son is a five-star recruit and will sign with Duke. Ralph Abraham's grandson. So congratulations, uh, uh, young man. I was a five-star basketball recruit, and he's going to sign with the Duke Blue Devils. And you know Duke, one of the great uh, universities here uh, in the Virgin Islands. Yeah, one of the things uh, I was mentioning about competition from back in the days, uh, I was speaking about James Brown. The big payback, right? Um, apparently, James Brown found out, you know, check that. Well, when he found out about his, um, the, the, the lady in the band, like I mentioned, uh, having an affair with Harold Melvin. <laughs> that was impetus for the big payback, my son. Jack and. Uh, the James Brown story as it relates to the Virgin Islands uh, would make your head spin. Apparently, right, now this is told to me by, by Pada, and then uh, Willis Hodge actually told me about it as well. You heard about the Learjet reference that Mike, Mike Canton talked about with Bootsy, Bootsy Collins and his brother. That's how James Brown was. Once he make, started making money, that's how he used to travel. And apparently, they were supposed to have a concert at Lena Roberts Stadium. And that concert didn't start till the wee, wee hours of the morning, maybe 2 o'clock or whatever. James Brown flying. Great Pada, right? The late great Pada. From out of Iraq, told me this story. Willis Hodge confirmed it, right? And... Well, let's say you never see anything like it, my son. James Brown used to draw a crowd. Okay, draw a crowd, and it's all about their creativity. And we got we got a talent here, man. We definitely got a talent here in the Virgin Islands as well, and we got to support our. I can do some more research about um, Sonny Rollins, cause um, when we spoke about him. That night when I found out about him, and 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 I was on understanding he's ninety three years old, still alive today. He's not active anymore. He was born on September seventh, nineteen thirty. Right, musician, composer, band leader. Right, and uh, grew up in the Central Harlem and and Sugar Hill and receiving his first alto saxophone at the age of seven or eight. Uh, attended Edward W. Stitt Junior High School and graduated from Benjamin Franklin High School in East Harlem. And started as a pianist, changed to alto, saxoph alto, alto saxophone, and finally switched to tenor in 1946 when he was 16 years old. During his high school years, he played in a band with other future jazz legends, Jackie McLean, Kenny Drew, and Art Taylor. So anybody out of the rock 
if you know anything or related to the Rollins family, right? I want to thank Melbourne Adams for um, enlightening me on this, right? You live, a, you live a hard life, though. You know what I mean? I had some run-ins. You check. But it said between 1953, 1951 and 1953, this saxophone player with Virgin Islands roots, he recorded with Miles Davis, the modern jazz quartet, Charlie Parker, and Thelonious Monk. A breakthrough arrived in 1954 when he recorded his famous compositions, make sure I pronounce this right, Olio, Irgen, and Doxy, with a quintet led by Davis that also featured pianist Harris Silva. These recordings appear on the album Bag's Groove. Okay? Of course, he has some runnings there, some hard times. I ain't gonna really get into that, right? But he got his act together, right? He joined the Miles Davis Quintet in 1955. Later that year, he joined Clifford Brung, the Clifford Brung Max Roach Quintet, and studio albums documenting his time in the band are Clifford Brung and Max Roach at, ba at, at Basin Street and Sonny Rollins Plus Four. They say in 1956, right, he recorded Saxophone Colossus in New Jersey with Tommy Flanagan on piano, former Jazz Messengers bassist Doug Watkins and his favorite drummer Roach. It's the Roach and the Max Roach that I mentioned before. This was Rollins' sixth recording as a leader and it included his best-known composition, St. Thomas, a Caribbean calypso based on Hold Him Joe, a tune sung to him by his mother in his childhood, as well as the fast bebop number Strode Road and Moritat. Okay? Hold Him Joe. That's a Caribbean calypso, right? And that was the influence for his composition, St. Thomas. So anybody out of the rock who know anything about Sonny Rollins, as we go to a break, right? Reach out to me. You know, the number here is 718-4555 or 718-0761 or 718-3339. Uh, anything related to, you know, the Rollins family or Sonny Rollins, let me know so we could educate the public here on this show. We'll take a break and be back right after this. WTJX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Culturman Silcat. Tickets are on sale now through Thursday, December 14th. Tickets are available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Site Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or call 340-774-6255. Shuttle service will be available from Haven Site Parking Lot to the MCM Center. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are VI Lottery, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, the VI Housing Finance Authority, and the VI Public Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget. 
The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. Good evening, I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nawaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX TV, Channel 12. Saturday mornings, we're here for you with Weekend Edition. Two hours of news, interviews, new music, new books, rattling good stories, interesting people, challenging analysis, laughs, air shows, and donkey rides for the kids. So come along with us. Weekend Edition, Saturday mornings from NPR News. Weekend Edition. Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. There are many complex issues that arise in our territory. Comes with the territory with Leslie Comision. Join me, Leslie Comision, for a breakdown of political issues facing our territory, one conversation at a time. I'm here to be the voice you can rely on for information that is straightforward and comprehensive. Tune in to be a part of the discussion. It all comes with the territory. Comes with the territory airs Sundays at 1 p.m. and re-airs at 7 p.m. on WTJX-TV, Channel 12. People don't come out of St. Thomas and he actually recorded a song uh, named uh, St. Thomas. And Mr. Hollander was reading something about the Calypso influence. He said, in the solo for St. Thomas, Rollins uses repetition of a rhythmic pattern and variations of that pattern, covering only a few tones in tight range and employing staccato and semi-detached notes. This is interrupted by a sudden flourish, utilizing a much wider range before returning to the former pattern. He said, ever since recording St. Thomas, Rollins' use of calypso rhythms has been one of his signature contributions to jazz. He often performs traditional Caribbean tunes, such as Hold Em Joe and Don't Stop the Carnival. And he has written many original Calypso-influenced compositions, such as Duke of Iron, The Everywhere Calypso, and Global Warming. Yeah, man, I got to I got to look up his music and see how we could make a contribution here as well. And he worked with people like Donald Byrd, the same person I mentioned earlier, who did that song with uh, with Guru, and all that stuff. But interestingly, right, they said that uh, in '61, right? Okay, so by 1959, Rollins had become frustrated with what he perceived as his own musical limitations and took the first and most famous of his musical sabbaticals. Isn't that something? He'd he, be playing with all these great musicians in the early to mid-50s and late in that decade. He recognized his own limitations and took a sabbatical. While living on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, he ventured to the pedestrian walkway of Williamsburg Bridge to practice in order to avoid disturbing a neighboring expectant mother. Today, a 15-story apartment building named The Rollins stands on the Grand Street side site where he lived. Almost every day 
from the summer of 1959 through the end of 1961. Rollins practiced on the bridge next to the subway tracks. Maybe this is what Cap was telling us about, right? Rollins admitted he would often practice for 15 or 16 hours a day, no matter what season. In the summer of 1961, the journalist Ralph Burton happened to pass by the saxophonist on the bridge one day and published an article in Metronome magazine about the occurrence. During this period, Rollins became a dedicated practitioner of yoga. Rollins ended his sabbatical in November 1961. He later said, I could have probably spent the rest of my life just going up on the bridge. I realized, no, I have to get back into the real world. In 2016, a campaign was initiated that seeks to have the bridge renamed in Rollins' honor. And then from there, he went on and played some more music, toured Japan. He married again. He married a lady in, uh, in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. She became his manager and producer. They moved to New York. Uh, all that stuff. Wow. Virgin Islander, my Virgin Islander by roots. Right? You take a second sabbatical in 1969, a two-year sabbatical. During the hiatus, he visited Jamaica for the first time and spent several months studying yoga, meditation, and Eastern philosophies at an ashram in Powai, India, a district of Mumbai. He returned from a second sabbatical with a performance in Kongsberg, Norway in 1971. Reviewing a, night, a March 1972 performance at New York's Village Vanguard nightclub, the New Yorker critic Whitney Ballet, Ballet wrote that Rollins had changed again. He had become a whirlwind. His runs roared and there were jarring staccato passages and furious double-time spurts. He seemed to be shouting and gesticulating on his horn as if he were waving his audience into battle. The same year, he released Next Album and moved to Germantown, New York. Also in 1972, he was awarded a Guggenheim Fellowship in Composition. Wow. What a story. Then he got to play for the president in 1978. In June of that year, he joined up many other major jazz artists in a performance for President Jimmy Carter on the South Lawn of the White House. So we got some really great, great, great musicians who either were from here or got roots from people down here. When you hear that man talk about musicians, man, they don't, you know, they don't just be beaming with pride when they call Eddie Russell name. Check. You call it Eddie Russell name, Ira Myers. You hear Vargas Richards talking about a, a, a trumpeter named James Porter, right? A man just tell me checks on his album, The Bridge. Thank you, Uncle Eddie. <laughs> you check, yeah. You know, we got so many great Virgin Islands, I mean, talented Virgin Islands over the years. You check. In 1997, he was voted Jazz Artist of the Year. In the Dung Beat Magazine Critics Poll. So that means he was 67 then because he born in 30. 
Okay. This is this is awesome, man. He won a Grammy Award in 2001 for Best Instru Jazz Instrumental Album. This is what I do. Right? On September 11, 2001, the 71-year-old Rollins, who lived several blocks away, heard the World Trade Center collapse and was forced to evacuate his Greenwich Street apartment with only his saxophone in hand. Although he was shaken, he traveled to Boston five days later to play a concert in the Berklee School of Music. The live recording of that performance was released on a CD in 2005 as Without a Song, the 9-11 concert, which won the 2006 Grammy for Jazz Instrumental Solo for Rollins' performance, Why Was I Born? Why Was I Born? Rollins was presented with a Grammy Award for Lifetime Achievement in 2004. That year also saw the death of his wife, Lucille. Wow. By the way, they say his nickname was Nuke because he looked like the Dodgers star, uh, Don Nukem. He resembled him, you know? He said during these years, Rollins regularly toured worldwide, playing major venues throughout Europe, South America, the Far East, and Austra Australasia. He is estimated to have sometimes earned, check this out, as much as $100,000 per performance. Six figures. Cut the check, according to uh, Rashid Wallace. CTC, cut the check. And October, uh, September 18, 2007, he performed at Carnegie Hall in commemoration of the 50th anniversary of his first performance there. Appearing were him, with him were Anderson on the trombone, Bobby Broom on guitar, Crenshaw on the bass, Dini Zulu on the percussion, Roy Haynes on the drums, and Christian McBride on the bass. Maybe I could get Dion Parsons on at some point. Nicole, if you're listening... Let Dion know that uh, I'm doing a reminiscing of Sonny, Sonny Rollins here. And maybe Dion Parsons might know uh, some more. Maybe even play with him. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but he retired in 2014 uh, due to recurring respiratory issues. Um, whatever. And then he moved to Woodstock, New York in 2013. And uh, in 2023... This year, February this year, he sold his music catalog to Reservoir Media. Let me see if I can pull up that story. Um, yeah, coming up now. It's on Vibe.com. Yeah, the music catalog of legendary jazz musician Sonny Rollins has been acquired by Reservoir Media in the latest sale to make waves within the industry. In terms of the deal which was announced on Wednesday, February 22nd, were undisclosed, but include the publishing and recording rights to various works throughout the 92-year-old's discography. It said Rollins, a native New Yorker, shared his excitement over the purchase while voicing his trust that Reservoir will see that the legacy of his music continues and grows with time. Okay? So we, we recognize him 
uh, Sonny Rollins, and uh, Rel Lafargue, Reservoir President and Chief Operating Officer, also shared his reaction to the deal, revealing his adoration for Rollins and his music, which dates back to his own days as a creative. I first learned of Sonny through his music playing St. Thomas as a young jazz student, Lafargue said, who praised Rollins for his contributions in musical innovation within the genre. And it's inc incredibly meaningful that Reservoir and I can now commit to preserving Sonny's musical legacy and amplifying his contributions to the art form for audiences old and new. You know what I'm saying? So I want to thank Melbourne Adams for hipping me to Sonny Rollins being a generational St. Tomian. Okay? And you know me already, you know. Anytime I could push one hour, I good for it. You know what I'm saying? And so having worked with the likes of John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Thelonious Monk, and Dizzy Gillespie, he also carved out his own lane with classes, classics such as his iconic composition, St. Thomas, which was added to the Library of Congress National Recording Registry in 2016, along with the entirety of the Saxophone Colossus album. Sonny Rollins. So I was telling her, I know. Anybody listening, right? If you know anything about the Rollins roots and the family over there in St. Thomas, let the record reflect that on this Arch Thursday, December 7th, you know, as we uh, commemorate um, 82 years from when uh, we lost uh, brothers and sisters and good people in Hawaii when Pearl Harbor was uh, attacked, you know, kamikaze style by the Japanese in 1941. But today, we use this December 7th uh, to recognize uh, one of our own uh, from out of the rock, Sonny Rollins. Uh, born in New York City, but parents from uh, Virgin Islands. Uh, got roots uh, here in the territory. I didn't realize that, you know, he, he was, you know, such a recognized artist. And I read this album here on Vibe. This is a story, I mean, here on Vibe magazine on February 22nd, uh, 2023. Article, you can pull it up, right? Just said, that's Google Jazz Legend Sonny Rollins. Music catalog acquired by Reservoir Media. And you're going to see a picture of Sonny. Got a nice gray afro, gray beard, got shades, got a saxophone in the hand, got a white jacket. Yeah, look, a nice picture, man. Okay, got another picture. Yeah, another picture where he got on. He got on the jeans hat. You know that hat that Frankie Beverly used to wear when he was um, singing with Maze? That's the look he got on here. It's like an EPMD hat, uh, Jamar. See the, the fisherman hat, right? The fisherman. <laughs> and he got a saxophone in his hand. This was before you were gray, though. You still got a black beard and all that stuff. And this was a, this photo that you're going to see here is when he performed during the Berkeley Jazz Festival at the Greek Theater in Berkeley, California on May 26, 1979. Wow. Virgin Islanders, man. We've been special all along. 
And I had, you know, I mean, I've heard the name in passing, but I didn't realize that Sonny Rollins was you know, one of ours. And not only that, that's, that's great, right? So don't forget to stay on top of the local news, right, tonight as we wrap up the show. Um, by tuning in to the WTJX News Feed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas at 5 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. And congratulations on uh, Lorna Nichols and Ms. Rita Alberdeen, uh, winners of a uh, pair of tickets uh, to the event that's only seven days away. Okay, Taste of Two Islands is back. Normally, a November event. But this year is a December event, so we know we're competing with a lot of you know, different events that are happening around this time of the year. But make some time to carve out a good couple hours at least to be with us over there at the Mark C. Marine Center uh, next week, Thursday afternoon, evening. Taste of Toilets. It's, it's going to be the bomb. The term that I use now is lit. Right? That's the term that I use. Back in the day, we used to say cock. <laughs> right? Ram. <laughs> so check, but now the term is lit. Okay, so you want to be uh, a part of that. I apologize that uh, we didn't get to link with Mr. Griffith. And uh, if I had known, we'd have hold on to Mike for the whole second hour, but we'll save that for his live appearance. Okay? Enjoy the remainder of the day. Beautiful day in paradise. Really lovely outside. Be good and be safe. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. WTJX's Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antony's Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Kulchaman Silkat. Tickets are on sale now through Thursday, December 14th. Tickets are available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Sight Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. Tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or call 340-774-6255. Shuttle service will be available from Haven Sight Parking Lot to the MCM Center. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are VI Lottery, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, the VI Housing Finance Authority, and the VI Public Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget.